podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson, Dan Vincent, Andy Heaton and Mr John Gibbons with you. It's Friday night. It's John Gibbons night. <laughs> uh, what, what are you going to plan tonight, John? Yeah, I've got a, um, a top secret band rehearsal. Oh, I. Um, for a top secret hot gig. And then uh, the missus is doing a Cody bottle of wine. Been see Dev. Sounds, um, sounds, sounds ideal. Yeah, it's good. One of the announcements the Oasis, the Oasis reunion, John. <laughs> uh, Oasis don't need brass. Uh, we've got um, we've got uh, loads to come on the show. James Roach to talk to us about, about Bournemouth and Michael from the Wrong Festival. Michael Edward from the Wrong Festival. Uh, already spoken to both of them, and it's really, really good. So that's coming up, and I can give you the guaranteed quality. Admittedly, I'm taking a risk with Gibbons, Heaton, and Vincent's, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> the Reds are our focus first after the opening question, and the opening question comes from Matt Ryan, and he says, "This what's the greatest? What's the greatest football?" Design? In his view, it's hard to look past the original tango. Uh, Dan Vincent, is it hard to look past the original tango? It is, but my favourite balls are Mitre Delta because it's the one I, I just remember growing up playing all the time. I, I might have, it was like a Mitre Delta size, size five. Yeah, but it was like a size ten when you were kicking. <laughs> it was massive. Get well, on in with the Delta. Anyway. We were stuck with a tactic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the Mitre Delta. Yeah, that's the one that sticks out for me always. Now, when I refer back to balls, because there's like there's too many now, isn't there? There just is. There's literally too many. Everyone makes them, and it's just, yeah, it's madness. It's overwhelming. It is, yeah. And every World Cup that comes out, there's like 10 different World Cup balls. So, no, it's it's the Mitre Delta always for me. Mitre Delta, uh, John Gibbons. No, I'm a big fan of the World Cup balls. Uh, The Germany one's probably my favourite. What I liked about them is how they they said that each one was rounder than the last. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was my favourite thing. I was the roundest ball ever. And then it's another one. It's the roundest ball ever. I was like, what were they playing with in the 80s? Like, cola cubes. <laughs> you know what I mean? The mitre hexagon. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now the World Cup ones are good. I'm, I'm my main bull. I'm my mate Jason O. Who like, uh, he's not shy about spending 90 quid on something that uh, he doesn't need to. Um, he bought the Germany one and, and uh, it stayed hit. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, you noticed it in five aside. Like if you if you if you hit it right, it stayed hit. Oh, <laughs> I've never played with an expensive one like that. Oh yeah, ninety quid worth every every penny of his money. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Heaton, what's yours? Um, well, it's a tango in it, but I mean, if we've got to like pick one, I like the first uh, the first generation of Nike. I think it was the Tiempo. The first when Nike started doing the Premier League balls, which just like a plain football with like a like a ring around it. Yeah, I know what you, you mean. You know which one I mean? Yeah, I know which one you um, mean, yeah. I got a couple of them for like five a side and they were great. They were actually good built because normally you have like the like the JJB Sports version which is like 13 quid <laughs> yeah. and like the proper version which is like 100 quid. But there was no real dissent because I played with both and the, actually even the cheaper version was better. So from a practical point of view, that one. All right then. Yeah. Uh, Moving forward, then I hope you enjoyed that one, Matt. It was thorough. It's a thorough answer for you. <laughs> uh, I, I knew it'd be one that'd get the imagination going. Uh, last vestiges of things to take from Leeds at home. It's Tuesday night. It's a while away, but uh, I haven't actually watched some of it back now. Uh, and across to a number of shows, a couple of little things that sort of stuck out to me, John. And the, the first thing that stuck out was there's a lot of there's, there has been a lot of chat around Alberto Moreno for the last three seasons. He's been at Liverpool, and what's striking, I think, in the, both this game and the Spurs game when he's got on, and even to a certain extent his Crystal Palace game, is he's, he seems to me like he's a little bit more conservative, like someone's had a word somewhere and asked him to, 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 to think a little bit more about what's going on behind, to the point that it might actually be slightly detrimental to his performance, but that suggests it's in his head, he's thinking about it. Am I am I reading too much into that? Or is I that wouldn't there? say necessarily, you know, I think, I don't know whether someone's had a word, but, you know, footballers watch football games, and Alberto Moreno's done a lot of 
not playing and so he's going to the game and he's watching and he's aware that what James Milner's doing and even if the manager isn't talking to him which I'm sure he is but he's thinking well this guy's getting picked ahead of me so what is it he's doing oh well you know there's not much going through him here you know he's, he's dependable there but also you know his position on the pitch you know how he's attacking and, and he'll be wanting to get into the team so we'll be watching what the fella's doing who's got his shirt and at the moment Milner's very dependable he's solid on the ball he's he's getting forward no one can say that Milner's a defensive football because he, he he just wouldn't be because he's a midfielder, but you know just give, giving that a little bit more solidity and and I think he was he was maybe just trying to do it a Milner esque performance at the weekend picking his moments a bit more to get forward making sure he was back when he needed to be and I thought that shot at start of second half aside I thought he did pretty well yeah just at home I give us really I feel the same it's like you can't help but look at his performances the last few games and think he, he's basically looking at what Milner's doing and thinking, right, I need to sort of, that's what the manager wants, so I need to be doing the same thing to get into the team. But I, I do prefer Moreno mm. to play like he plays, to be honest with you. Like, I, I think he can give you that little bit extra going forward. And I just felt he was holding back a little bit at the, against the, against Leeds for that reason. Though he's probably playing on his mind and he's not soft as well. He knows that he's not massively rated by the majority of fans. He's probably thinking as well, God, if I push too far forward and leave and me man or there's little things I mean there was one instance where like he actually stepped up to play the offside but before the linesman put his flag up there's fellas like shouting you know all sorts at him and I'm mm. thinking it's offside lad like, <laughs> he's done well you know, he's done well he's, he's done his job he's stepped up and offside but I don't feel like he's got a leg to stand on with most fans so it's probably playing on his mind to be a little bit more conservative but I do think it takes it away from his strongest attributes, you know. The other thing I took from the game when looking back to other things, Andy. First one was was Ronaldo's movement when you watched it back on television was 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 brighter uh, and more more incisive than I thought mm. it was. A couple of times Ajari is nearly playing him in. A couple of times that there's you know he, he hits the post. He's there to to when he could when he could be selfish. He's there to set up Woodburn. He was firstly a bit more advanced than I sort of remembered him being. But the second thing as well was that he was just ghosting around the pitch a little bit more in a in a manner that that reminds you that he sort of come from playing a more advanced role. Yeah, um, I think he, vertically he's very good. He gets up and down and, and he seems to judge when to go up and down uh, quite well. I mean, you can never tell because the ball can always break, but you you never really see him in the other end. of the. You know, you'd always see him around the scene of the crime, whatever it is, either defensively or offensively, which is never a bad thing. Uh, especially as like, the, the line was box-to-box midfielders are a thing of the past. And he seems to be filling that role quite well. Um, I mean, that, the, the obvious highlight... Is laying on uh, laying on Ben Woodburn, you know, to show that awareness because not a lot of not a lot of footballers have that, especially in in the six yard box or at the edge of the six yard box because they, you're immediately thinking, oh ah, yeah, yeah. try and try not to swear for the kids there, um, but yeah. <laughs> You don't. No, a lot of people will panic in that situation. He was. Well, not necessarily panic, but I think it's the, the if you're that close mind, to the goal, you, you think well, I, I have to like shoot. It. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, because because where I am, I have to shoot. And he does the right and and even the layoff is sound. It was the Nike total total ninety aero. By the way, was the ball <laughs> excellent? <laughs> uh, but no, I, 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 it's encouraging. Quiet start, um, but no, growing into it, and I'd say he's potentially made that position his own now. I, I was disappointed by Ronaldo, I thought, um, because I was looking forward to seeing him further forward, and I thought he was very much in the front three. I thought he was, he's, he's a, maybe a little bit unlucky because he's being asked to play left on the front three, and I think if you 
give him a choice, he'd, he'd, he'd certainly go right and, and probably in, in the number 10 that we don't play. But I think, you know, he was, you know, <laughs> yeah. but you know what no, I mean? I exactly what you mean. Yeah. But, um, can, but I, can, I think, can I play the position we, we don't do, please? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's his ideal position. And I think if, I think, I thought he'd, he'd give him a go to see, we'll, we'll see how he does in the front three here. And, and he, I don't know, I, I'd say he sort of fluffed it a little bit. And I think that that's maybe a little bit harsh because, as you say, when you watch it back, he's probably involved in a little bit more than, than what you think he is. And, you know, he, he pops up on the right for the one that hits the post and things the, like that. There's but, a number of balls to him that just that, that they're trying to play to him that just don't quite get in. Get him yeah, in. and it might be, you know, there might be... It might be sometimes you're not getting the right passes and sometimes you're not quite getting in the right areas. And as I say, he probably, he probably wouldn't have chosen to play on the left. But, you know, we're, we're told that he's an attacking player who we've moved back. And on the weekend, he looked to me like, sorry, in the week, he looked to me like a, a midfield player who'd been pushed up. And I thought that was quite interesting early on. I thought he looked like, you know, we've, we've pretty much had his position nailed on so far. And if you're thinking of him, as a, an extra person we could be using in the front three moving forward with injuries and things like that. I'm not writing him off there, but from that performance, I'd be a little bit worried. Yeah, I, I have to agree. To be honest, I was disappointed with a couple of the players against Leeds, like more of the older ones, and, and again, he was the one. But I, I feel a bit sorry for him in a way because, as, as John said, then he's come as an attacking player. We've moved him back, and now it looks as if the only chance he's going to get to play is probably a bit further up because... Chan's obviously going to get chosen over him, so he's probably a little bit in between of used to playing there, then getting asked <clears> to play there, and like you say, would have been maybe more comfortable on the left than he's on the right. So he, he didn't do bad. My dad loves him. My dad was saying he was amazing, but I, I didn't see do, it. Really. Do you I think? Do you more. think Chan's ahead of him? And if he's picking a first eleven for a league game tomorrow, I do, yeah. Oh, yeah, only because like since Chan's come back from injury, it's just he's just been dropped, and, and Chan's just been in, and, and even in games where Chan hasn't played well, it, it was noticeable. That, like in the first couple of games, Chan coming back. It was Ronaldo who came on for Lalana, not not even for Chan. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't have him. Mike. I'd have Ronaldo playing there myself. Yeah, yeah, I'd have Henderson, Ronaldo, and Lalana. But I think Klopp's going to play Chan all the time there. So it, it, it is interesting to see where he's going to get his um, his football now, other than people getting injured. Like, I think it's. Uh, I think it's, well, we'll come on to talk about that in a minute. But I think it's also grabbing little bits of, of chances when they come up elsewhere. On the young lads, uh, John, I know you watch them a lot, so you know it's it's the thing that, that, that I took from the game where the concerns on Ajari and Alexander Arnold is that the manager should have no no concerns about feeling as though in, in this run that we're in now where we play a few more games where it all gets a bit intense between now and Sunderland's away and maybe just Sunderland's away. But you know, if the manager felt like dropping them in, I wouldn't be concerned for a second. No, I won't be either, and that's been the nice thing about these League Cup games and people get a cob on about the cup sometimes to see how they get in the way and things like that but sometimes it, if if all it does I mean I'm, I'm I'm for the cups generally but if all a cup game does is is by Christmas you've you've gone do you know what there's two three maybe even four lads who I wasn't sure who we can use for 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 big league games now and now and now account yeah. then then they've done the job for me they've, they've done the job and then and then everything else is kind of almost you can almost see as a bonus if if you choose to this this League Cup run's been great for because I love Trent Alexander Arnold as you say I've watched a lot of him but in the summer I was like well is he is he ready for the first team but the League Cup's proved he is you know he's played against two good teams now he's played against Tottenham who were a Premier League team yeah it's Tottenham a shadow but it's but you know he's still good players you know there's good players on the football pitch players you've heard of he plays against the lead side who are fifth in the Championship looked a decent team and he gets mad in the match and and then so you know you think well we we've proved we've got a player there we've proved we've got a first team play we've proved that Klopp was right not to get another fullback in in the summer because. 
you know, you're just going to shove this lad back down, and, and what's the point? Who you're going to get? Who you're going to get better to be a reserve fullback if you like the the then a scout lad who's, who's got this talent? And so it's great to then Ajari has kind of surprised a lot of us really, but just looks like nothing phases him whatsoever. He didn't have the perfect game by any stretch of the imagination, but lit up the game two or three occasions oh. with 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 quality passing and so, you know you know it's funny if if we if we're nil nil against Bournemouth on seventy and he's picked say he's had to pick Ronaldo and Chant because Lana's say Lana's not a thing you you sub on seventy is a jolly for one of them isn't it I yeah. think because you think well we oh he's not as solid as them he's not as dependable but it's seventy and we've got them back a jolly a will do you something yeah. and he and in, by the way people haven't seen yet he's got a hell of a shot on him he's got a worldy in him I've seen him score goals that have took your breath away and we haven't seen that yet and so he is a, he's an explosive footballer Andy on this this that I was John's took half me points away from me there one of my <laughs> things with the jolly is that I'd actually quite like to see him with Henderson behind him. With um, with Firmino, especially ahead of him, because he's constantly looking for the ball, Ajaria, uh, for the pass to play. I mean, rather than look for the ball, he's looking for the pass to play to release somebody. So with the greater movement, possibly Coutinho when he's back fit, or get storage on a pitch with him as well. But you know, I'd, I'm looking at Ajaria there, and I'm thinking he's just going to look better and better the better the play, players who are around him. And some footballers are like that. We hope so, don't you? I mean, he's he certainly done his chances now. Um, uh, I mean, John, but. That was far more than me. I haven't seen anywhere near enough. Uh, I didn't make a confession there, but he's, I was surprised by him because in my mind's eye, for some reason, I thought he was. And I know he he, he plays centre mid and that, but he looks more like a a, a a big winger. You know his frame and his gait, and you expect him to to do certain things. And when he tries other things, and they don't always come off, especially for someone so young, he's precocious. To have that kind of ambition, I mean, the, there was that ball against Leeds, and was it the yeah, first, first half? half? Yeah, yeah. Which was like ridiculous. Why are you even thinking of that? I know. You know, there's no thoughts of like, oh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna play safe. I'm gonna try and bed myself in. I'm gonna try and get people behind me. It was like, nah, I'm going for it. Yeah. So no, they're absolutely. I don't think you're right. I think as well, there's a good point if you play, if you give them a platform of maybe one or even two behind them in a specific game, and you give them that freedom and go, look, just go and play, just go and play. Don't worry about that bit for the minute. We can teach you that bit. Just go out and express yourself and see how you do. And I think that I was quite impressed with how he kept shape and things like that as well. I wonder if that's part of what's got him, what looks like ahead of Grujic as well, Dan, is that he's not irresponsible with it. Just thinking, you know, the manager's going to go, I'll have a bit of this. Yeah, he just doesn't seem to panic at all. He just looks like one of the calmest players that, that you've, especially for his age as well. He reminds me a little bit of when I used to watch her man, but her man was like that much bit older in terms of like, he doesn't seem like explosively fast or anything, <coughs> but he's so seems to find that yard of space all the time. He does it very well when he turns his back into players and just knocks a simple pass back, but it's to keep all the possession. I, I really like him, and as I, I, again, like Andy, I haven't seen as much as the likes of Gibbo, but he, he's, he looks a real talent, and I suppose the highest praise you can give these kids is what pretty much everyone said already, is that if they stepped in at the weekend, you'd think nothing of it. And the first thing I, th- I said after Tuesday was that if Klein got injured, I'd obviously be gutted because Klein's quality... But I wouldn't be losing any sleep over the fact that Alexander Arnold's going to play right back. Okay, this is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. After the break, I'm talking to Mike Edwards. Welcome back. This is the Anfield Rap. Neil Atkinson. I'm with Michael Edwards, who's part of the Wrong Festival. Uh, Lone and Noise is the group that's putting a new festival on for. It's quite, I'm going to call it sort of psychish. It says freak scene. I think we need to be better than freak scene, Michael. Uh, but uh, you don't you don't write the copy. You just book the bands and. Oh no, I wrote. I did everything. Oh, do you? You do everything. Yeah. So, yeah. so do you feel part of the freak scene? Uh, well, the the freak scene thing's actually a reference to a Dinosaur Junior song. Yeah. 
So we could, I mean, you know, it's 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 going to happen. And so let's, I'll get the details out the way, and then we'll we'll pull back from the details. So it's a one day thing on the twenty second of April, twenty seventeen, around the Docklands. You've got the, uh, the you've you're using the invisible wind factory, what's called the North Shore Troubadour, and drop the dumbbells as well. And you're doing it all down there. Tickets are out now. If people are interested, we'll come on to that in a second. Ten pounds for early bird, fifteen for discounted advance, and I think that's all you need to know for now. But the first thing I want to do is, you decide you're going to do a festival. Yeah. What's your next move? Try not to pull my hair out. <laughs> Although, as you can see, it's not much of an issue. No, no, no. You've, you're solving that on your own. Yeah. Seriously, so do you think, right, do you need to get a location? Do you think we need to get bands? Do you think I need to get more people? Do we need to get a booking agent? What, honestly, what's your next move? Uh, what did you do? What did I What did I do from the start? Yeah, from the very start. Uh, it was almost an accident, really, doing a festival. It, it started off because I... Lona Noise is my record label... I also play in the band Elevant, and we're kind of involved in this sort of underground rock scene, which if you go to a lot of the other big cities in the country, there feels like there's a central focus and people write about it, people go to the shows. And here, like the narrative that Liverpool has is that maybe a bit more revolves around pop and people don't say that this kind of music comes out here. Yeah. And it does. And people love it and there's there's an appetite for it so what we thought is it was just as a sort of way to try and put the label on the map initially but also to try and elevate the scene we were going to put on like an all-dayer with maybe one bigger band and then we put the list together and we started phoning bands and uh they all started saying yes (laughs) (laughs) so we were like oh well i think maybe we need to think about making this a little bit bigger so we got the three different venues and the invisible wind factory the chasm is people behind that obviously fantastic um and it's just sort of spiraled out of control in a very good way it has in a very good way you i mean you're now headlined by you've got you you, i'll just go through the the six the six bands that are listed elements is is, is your bands as you've said so that's I mean, you can book yourself. That was easy. Yeah. Uh, but then you've got the uh, you've got the Blacklisters, who are a who are a big dark band. It's fair to say, uh, yeah. very very funny. Um, Not a noisy, dark sense of humour. Um, their first the single that sort of put them on the map. They actually called it Clubfoot by Kasabian. <laughs> right, that, that sort of thing. All very good. A bit, bit McCluskey, I've said, whenever I've heard anything yeah, about yeah. them. It reminds me of McCluskey a fair bit. Then the Cosmic Dead, who are what you'd think they'd sound like yeah. uh, with that sort of name, but from Glasgow. And then it's uh, Part Chimp, who I haven't heard, if I'm honest with you. Part Chimp are fantastic. Are they? Yeah. I'll take your word for it. Then you've got Heck, who I have heard, and I think I've played on some of our other music-based stuff. But your big one is The Witches, the huge sort of psychedelia, rock and roll, Garage, aggressive. I mean, meant to be. I've never seen them, unfortunately. Meant to be a brilliant live band, and you've got you've booked them to headline, and that must have been the uh, one. They, they aren't the headliner, actually. Oh, We've the... just had uh, another announcement, which went out a couple of days ago. Go on. Um, the headliner is the Japanese psych noise band Boningen, who just played at the Olympia with Primal Scream. If yep. anyone listening went to that, uh, they are bloody brilliant. They're fantastic live band. Also added other bands to the uh, to the lineup. We added Go on. Cowtown. We added Skinny Girl Diet. We added False Advertising. Uh, 
Bonacons of Doom, who they play with, like, mirrors on their faces. They're crazy. Jazz Hands, and then the bands who are working with our record label at the moment, who are active, SPQR, um, Graves with two Vs, Pocket Apocalypse, and Duke Mercury. I've heard Graves with two Vs, I think. I'll they just got played on Radio 6 this week. Right, it might be there yeah. that I've heard Graves with two Vs. So it, you've got the bands, you've got the locations. Yeah. And there's more to come. And there's more to come. Yeah, there's 34 <laughs> bands in total. 34 bands in one day. So you decided just to do an all-day, one-day festival, go right the way through, start at about what time? Uh, first band's going to be on at 2, and uh, the last band is going to be on at 2. And then uh, if you feel... Awake enough, you can keep going. We're gonna be going until about six in the morning. <laughs> After parties and everything. Yeah. Absolutely everything. So it's everything that you need really. Where is the best place people can find out about it and buy tickets? Uh there's wrongfestival.com is the official website. There uh you can get the tickets off Skiddle, uh, you can get them off C tickets, you can get them off Dice. Um and at the minute we still need advanced stage. Early uh, birds and advanced yeah, tickets. Yeah, the the early birds are still up, although they're probably gonna run out around Christmas time, I would guess. Okay, so you've got the early bird tickets up until Christmas time. That's ten pounds for a day for that many bands for an entire day's entertainment. If you work it out per hour, you're only charging people about eighty p per hour. And like the witches or boning, and if they came on tour, them on their own would be more money than that. So, bargain, bargain, bargain is right. <laughs> Bargain is absolutely right here from Michael, and yeah, it is. It's fantastic to get another festival on Liverpool's festival scene. It's, and I think festivals. I, I think that I've got a little bit of a problem with the name, in that I think it, it, it someone's up the, the image of camping. This is most definitely not camping. No. You turn up, you go into Liverpool's Docklands, you have a lovely day, you have a few things to drink, you see some fabulous bands, you go back and you sleep in your own bed. Yeah. If you want to, or if not, you, oh, you keep going until go six, sleep. or you don't yeah. go to sleep, you keep going until six, you get the train. Uh, and you go right the way through. So it's the 24th of April next year, 2017. 22nd of 22nd April. 22nd of April. Yeah. Sorry, that actually is what's written down here, and I've just yeah, said yeah. the wrong number. <laughs> 22nd of April, 2017. £10 right now. Uh, wrong Festival. Uh, wrongfestival.com, uh, and you can get the tickets through there from a variety of different places. Michael, thank you for coming in. Keep us informed. Thanks for having me. Get Will the rest do. of them in. Uh, this is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. Uh, after the break, we will be listening to James Roach tell us what Bournemouth are up to at the moment. I don't think they've got a festival like this. It's the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk, Neil Atkinson with you. You've got John Gibbons, Dan Vincent and Andy Heaton as well. Before we get back to them to talk about Liverpool's game against Bournemouth at the weekend, I spoke to James Roach, who uh, watches the Cherries all over the country, and he um, had a few things to say about them. Not as consistent as they used to be, but I'll, I'll let him tell, talk, tell you the story. Joined now by James, uh, James Roach, to talk about Bournemouth with me, uh, the Cherries themselves. And oddly I'm, i don't think there's any more or less points james but i think you've been a little bit more inconsistent than last season i'll give you an example mate i would have expected bournemouth to to have got results against both of middlesbrough and sunderland and yet they didn't do so i think last season's bournemouth probably just about gets those results does a little bit better but then doesn't necessarily hold spurs for the points is what i'm driving at you know what i mean yeah that's right we um we were doing pretty consistently until uh, the Borough and the Sunderland game. Then um, I think we just had a little blip there, but then went and beat Stoke at, um, exactly, at Stoke, yeah. which I probably wouldn't have expected. So yeah, you, you're right. Really, I think up until the Borough game, we were we were doing as expected, um, if not slightly better, but just a little bit of a blip, maybe. We're not sure. It's. It's been a it's been a season as well where whenever I've seen you, I've been impressed. I think again I mentioned the Spurs game before, but I thought you were excellent. I think you look, look like a good side, and again like a more mature inside as well. The manager's stuck with what he knows, what he likes, what he feels works. He's not compromised on that in any way, and so you know I think it's 
it's it, it's going to be a tough test for Liverpool at the weekend in general, but I think it's going to be a tough test for whoever whoever faces Bournemouth this season. I think that's the one thing that's changed, is that I think Bournemouth's gone from looking like I'd expect the top side to go there and get three points to suddenly look like everyone's going to have to scrap to get anything off them. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think um, watching against Arsenal uh, last weekend, we gave them one hell of a game, you know. And um, I think it's a confidence thing now. Probably last season... Eddie Howe always stuck to his guns and he said, we're going to play this way and we're going to play that way because that's what we're, um, we're known for and that's what we're best at. And there were certain games where we got a real whooping, you know, and I think the players probably thought, well, are we sure about this? Probably we do need to mix it up. But because in the end we did all right this season, I think they've got a bit more confidence and then the results have been pretty good so far this season. So it just keeps, I think confidence breeds confidence, doesn't it? So, so we're going into games now, even against the big clubs, thinking... You know what? We've probably got a chance here, rather than getting a thrash in. Um, and that that was definitely evident. I think against Arsenal, I thought we were three-one in the end, flattered them. You know, it was two-one until a minute to go, um, and, and we I, were still I think, well in it, looking to, to to get a point. I think the big thing I took from that game when I watched it was not not so much that three-one flattered them one way or the other. What I took from it instead was two-one at half-time wouldn't have flattered Bournemouth if Bournemouth had got had gone ahead. But by the break, it would not have been. Yeah. It wouldn't have been one of those where you think, "Well, how they managed that?" It, it, it wouldn't have been a smashing grab. It was genuinely, you know, a, a, a tight game where Bournemouth probably shaded the first forty-five. Yeah, definitely, and I think the overall possession as well was something like fifty-four Arsenal and forty-six Bournemouth. And you think, well, there's not many people are going to go to Arsenal and, and nearly go toe to toe with them on on possession front. Um, you know, Burnley are getting results out, but they're they're sort of thirty percent possession, things like that. So, yeah, we're going at teams. Um, it's that confidence that I said again. I think we've got some better players this season as well. Um, said before last time we spoke, a fair bit of money made its way up onto Merseyside from the south coast as well. But you know, that's um, they're a couple of really good players that I think fit our system, and and they're growing into it as well. So yeah, it's all rosy at the minute. Uh, and on that as well, the other the, the other players to mention, uh, Ake's look good when he's had when he's had opportunities. Again, a younger player who looks as though he suits. And I think it's probably fair to say that Adam Smith's had an excellent season. Yeah, yeah, Adam Smith. I mean, my old man always says he's the best right back in the division. I'm not sure about that, but he's 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 up there. I think he's probably possibly knocking on the door for an England call up. Um, but you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna get past Walker or Flynn. I don't think, but. Um, he's been absolutely superb, and then Aki, to be fair to him, he, you know, he's he's not really played a part um, until the Stoke game, and then he came in and he, he looked really assured, scored a goal, um, and Arsenal as well. He was absolutely superb. So there's there's competition there now as well. There's some really good performers, and and the, the important thing I think for us is the competition. We've got people that can come from the bench. Uh, and turn a game, and, and even with injuries now, you know, the, the Arsenal game, we have three or four key players out, but uh, you wouldn't have known it really because we've got sort of strength and depth now that can come in. Are you expecting the side to be very similar to the one that actually went to Stoke? Because obviously Wilshire couldn't play against Arsenal. So you're expecting it to be pretty close to that side that you saw that day against Stoke that took all three points? Yeah, I think so. Um, it might be it might be slightly different I think because of Ake uh, coming to prominence. So um, he's pushed Simon Francis out onto to right back and then pushed Adam Smith into right midfield against uh, Arsenal. 
I'm, I'm, I suspect he's got a bit of a quandary, actually, um, with what to do there. I think, uh, you know, Simon Francis is our captain, but you can't drop Aku the way he's playing now. So uh, it will be a really similar lineup, I'm sure. It will be, you know, Wilson up top and, and probably Wilshire behind him. Um, and then sort of Goslin and, and Arta uh, sat behind Wilshire. And will will Sernum not come back in? Guess on the wings. Sermon's still injured, I think. Um mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure if he'll be back for the weekend or not. Um, and then on, on the wings, it's probably... Uh, I didn't play against Arsenal, but I, I suspect he might come back in. Um, and then and then probably Stanislas as well. But yeah, a couple, couple of question marks at the back, a couple of question marks in midfield, but I don't think there'll be any major surprises. On the last one, really, to ask you about in terms of this side, because I think there's a number of good players in there, but I think it's... Widely accepted that in combination with Smith, the outstanding performer so far this season for Bournemouth has been Arter. And again, I think maybe it's this idea of he's now had a season in the Premier League. He knows that there's nothing to be scared of almost. You know, he, he appears to be very much... Yeah. He, he's trying to run games is what I'm driving at here. That he, It's not as though it's now just sort of surviving and doing some neat and tidy stuff. Instead, the attitude appears to be, get me the ball all the time. I know what the next pass is. I've been Whenever I've seen him this season, I've been really impressed. Oh, he's amazing. He's, he's such a good player and... I mean, when he came to us, um, I guess it was five, six years ago, we weren't sure about him at all. You could see he could pick a pass every now and then, but, you know, he was really petulant. Um, he was getting booked every game. He used to give the ball away all the time. And we found him out to Carlisle on loan. He went somewhere else on loan as well, I think. And then he came back and there was just a point where he just turned and started just kind of bossing games a bit more, got his confidence up. And yeah, now he's in the Premier League. He, he's absolutely, he had a great season last season, but this year he's, he's absolutely on fire. Uh, and like you say, he, he does, he bosses games. I think since since Wilshire coming along, he's kind of, he's probably said, Do you know what, I'm, I'm sharing the middle of the park here with one of England's, you know, top players. And, and, and I feel, I feel right. And, um, and he's playing. He was superb against Arsenal again. He's just he just doesn't put a foot wrong now. He, he really does boss the game. So I think, you know, he's going to be up against it the weekend. There's no question about that. But uh, I, I think he'll hold his own. I really do. Uh, at the weekend, then we say going to be up against it. Expecting a tough game. I think everyone is at the minute facing Liverpool. <laughs> How do you see it going? Um. Really tough one, isn't it? Um, I think is is Firmino going to be back in? Is he? I, we're expecting to see yesterday. we're expecting to see Firmino back in, and I think we're beginning to expect to see Lallana back in as well. Right. Okay. Um, I think the way that Liverpool are playing this year, you know, everyone's frightened of, of going up against them. That pressing that that he was starting to get into from last season is there now for all to see, and they're just they're absolutely frightening going forward, aren't they? I think um, it could be quite an open game because I think um, with with the threat that Liverpool have got up front, we're still a little bit shaky at the back. We're still prone to errors. You saw that with uh, Steve Cook at Arsenal. He totally gifted them the first goal there. If you do anything silly like that, um, you, you know, the likes of Liverpool are, are really going to punish us. So um, I think we'll we'll struggle to shut Liverpool out for sure. But I think we'll, we'll certainly give them something to think about at the other end as well. I'd, you know, if, I, I don't honestly see us getting anything from it, but... But I do see us giving them giving them a really good game because you know we press pretty hard as well. Yeah. Um, whether we'll be able to match Liverpool in that area, I don't know. But you know we do press hard and we we knock the ball around. So maybe a a, a narrow victory, I think, for Liverpool.
Okay, uh, thank you very much, James. I'll go back and find out what everyone else thinks. <laughs> James Roach there. We'll be having a chat about what James had to say in a minute or two with everyone else. But I've got John Gibbons here with me now. And John, um, that, that firstly, that, that clip's originally on the Friday show. The Friday show is part of Tall Player. And at the minute, if you want to subscribe to the Anfield app, you can do so through the website. But also, as a gift to people, you can buy three, six or 12-month vouchers. You can, yeah. Yeah, it's something that people have asked us to. They said, oh, I'd, love to, I'd love to get my mates into the Anfield app. You know, could it could it get them a present? So we sorted it out for Christmas. So if you just go to the Anfield website, you'll see a little bit of there for there, or we'll be pushing it on Twitter and Facebook as well. We're selling them through Shopify. But yeah, if you want to buy a free six twelve month subscription for your friend, or, or you've always fancied having it a bit of a go, and you've never quite took the plunge, and and. Your mum or your dad or someone said to you, oh, what do you want for Christmas? And you can't think of anything. This Honestly, if you can't so. think of anything, just say the Anfield Rap. Yeah, the Anfield Rap. Sort so much out. <laughs> we'll send you the card as well. So what's done me, I didn't about, I bought subscriptions to wear magazines and stuff like that for my dad before. And you just get a little email and you don't really know what to do. So we, we've we took that on board. So we've we've designed a really cool card that Sam Lardin House Design has done. Um, and we'll sign it and all that. Send it out to you with all the details on, on how you renew it. So it's a cool thing. And we'll, we'll post that free of charge anywhere you want around the world. Uh, there you are. Uh, so if you want to, if you're interested in more stuff from us at the Anfield Wrap, loads and loads of different shows, some history shows, some shows where we're just having a laugh, some tactic shows, anything you want, you can subscribe through the website. Or now you've got the three, six, or twelve month options. Anyway, this is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk, and also come and see as a podcast as well if that's the way you choose to listen. If you listen as a podcast, you're really, really going to miss out here. Uh, this is Alanis Morissette. You ought to know. That was the astonishingly brilliant You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette. It does not get better than that in any way. Uh, very briefly, before we get back to the football, just want to mention the um, that Pauline Cox, as she does every year, is doing a selection box things for children's rights and participation for kids who are on the edge of care in Liverpool due to poverty or other reasons. Uh, they're also provided to children of care leavers, uh, homeless children and kids groups. The donations can be made either via Just Giving where I think if you go on to just giving crowdfunding and type in selection boxes, you'll be flying. Or via PayPal if you want to email pcoxy, P-C-O-X-Y, at me.com. That's pretty easy to sort all that out if you want to work out how to do it through there. Uh, also, just find Pauline on Twitter as well. There's all that sort of information knocking around for you. So that is most definitely a good cause if you get the opportunity to do so, to sort of get in touch. And we'll, we'll tweet something else as well. So that should be relatively straightforward. Uh, off the back of what James has said and the weekend that's coming and the Jurgen Klopp's press conference, it's... An interesting uh, weekend for Liverpool. Let's do the news first and foremost. Andy Heaton, uh, Daniel Sturridge out. Uh, that's that box. Lallana and Firmino decisions to be made close to kickoff. Ojo's going to play in the under twenty threes. Um, it is. It's. It's. It's beginning to sort of. You can probably name the eighteen. The question is whether or not Lallana or Firmino starts. What do you think? It's just a shame Daniel's out. Um, you know he's been fit now for about nine months, and then the the, the one. Well, the, the two weeks we can pretty much guarantee we'll just saw some minutes he's unfortunately picked up this, this little knock um, I hope Lallana's fit uh, he trained I mean bit of a we, we were at Melwood before for something earlier and uh, he, he was fine and he trained and he was bouncing around and, and looked unhindered so hopefully he'll be he'll be alright to start uh, I think and you talk about Firmino everyone's talking about uh, what a great season he's having and he is but I think of the two if you had to pick one of them to who's more important to Liverpool at the minute I'd uh, I'd go with Lallana to be honest. So do you think do you think they'll both start or do you think one will start or? I'd, I'd like them, but I'd like to think both are going to start. I'd like to think both are going to start um, because I think, you know, losing one of them is bad. If both of them, I think we've got major issues if none of them are fit. But if you're going to say to me which one would you pick if you had the choice, I'd stick Lallana in it as a If if I could pick who was fit, sorry, if you had the uh, uh, Hobson's choice of you, you can pick which one. Okay, Dan. 
I think both of them will start. I think, but I think Lallana, as you've been, I read he's been training since Thursday. He seems pretty fine to get back. And for me, no, I don't know what the injury was. To be honest, I just read that it was, was off the kick. It was off. That's the kick what I mean. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like anything like a, it wasn't a major injury. Yeah. I think they'll both start. To be honest, I, I think Firmino would run through a wall for you anyway. I think they'll both start. John, yeah, Firmino seems the type of injury that just hurt, didn't it? And, yeah. and you know, so you're not risking anything really. You know, if it's if it's a little strain, you you might be worried. But I don't think be risking it. I mean, Klopp's got his thing, guys. Anywhere he wants, he wants to see people give a few clear days but I think he's also aware that this, this, some of the squad are just a bit more resilient than other and yeah. I think he'll look at him in the eye and say do you feel ready if Firmino or Lallana say yeah I think he'll start them just because I think he'd be so desperate to get them on the pitch yeah. uh, I th- I don't think Lallana will start that's my, my I, th- oh. I, th- I think I think it'll be Chan and I think he'll have Lallana off the bench so I think it'll be Chan and Vinaldum again with uh, Henderson behind but I could be wrong but that's what I think it wouldn't surprise me Firmino or Luigi Mane yeah that's what it's I, all right, yeah. yeah, that's what I think it'll be, and I think it'll be the idea that if he needs Lallana, I think he wants. I think if Sturridge isn't fit as well, I think he's going to want to be able to look at the bench um, on sixty and feel he's got a change. And it's actually quite difficult to see yeah. what that change is now. I mean, you mentioned Ajari earlier on in the show. I think it's quite difficult to see what that change is now because if, if, if Sturridge isn't fit. So I wonder if you might think, you know what, we'll go, we'll be solid in that middle there. Though Chan and Van Alden will do what they've been doing for me recently. And then I'm not risking Alana. I don't have to risk him if I don't feel as though it, it, it's quite right. But I've got me front three on the pitch and hopefully they'll do the business. And if they do and we get, we get ahead in the game, then we should be able to see it out. That's what I think, but... Yeah. Could be wrong, and that, that's about the whole sort of the approach in the weekend. It's you know that's one of the the most interesting thing is that you know Dan we 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 know the nature of the game to a certain extent. Bournemouth are going to want to play a little bit of football. Yes, they kept Spurs out, but uh, it's we know that they're going to want to knock it around. So I think being strong, being able to win it back quickly, and I think for me we've got to be better when we're in when we're on the break. I think that's what one of the weaknesses you've seen in the last few weeks is that we haven't possibly quite been good enough on the break as much as we've got the results grinding people down over the course of a game. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. Yeah, it's, it's it's mad as well, considering it feels like it's just all of a sudden hit a bit of a wall with that. But I feel like I sound like I say this every week, but I can't, I can't see how Bournemouth are going to trouble us. I've got to be honest. And looking at the fixtures after, after the decent point at Tottenham, they've lost the last four, you know, against poor sides. As well. oh, sorry, Arsenal last week on a poor side, but, but the three before that are poor sides. And I can't see anything other than a win for us. Like, I, I think that we'll just be too, we'll be too strong for them. And I think they will set up, which will favour us, to be honest. I don't think they're going to try and be in our faces and all that. I think they'll try and knock the ball around, try and get it into Wilshire. But I just think we'll we'll ultimately be better than them. You know? uh, do you expect us to be too strong, Andy? I'd like to, yeah. I mean, I think we we done the uh, we done the Friday show as you mentioned earlier. I think I predicted two 0 didn't I? Yeah. Um, I think we'll be okay. Uh, I think as I said, if Lallana, I'd be one hundred percent confident if Lallana for me no start. If not, I think we've got enough about us anyway. I don't think Bournemouth are a bad side. Um, and I think you know, the, the, I think the biggest issue for us might be whether we underestimate them. But then, I don't think there's been occasions under this manager where we've looked, where we've come out yeah. and thought, you know, they look at the players, the players look like they think it's going to be an easy game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly, I'm fairly comfortable about it. Um, yeah, I, I just don't want to. The only way we, I think, it's similar to the, the Burnley game in so much as that I think. The only way we cause problems is if we if is if we kill ourselves. If that makes sense. We give ourselves problems, especially early on. Uh, I'm, I think you'll know a lot about Bournemouth's aspirations first fifteen, John, because they did sit in more than normal against Spurs. Normally, Eddie Howe's very much you play your football, you match up against them, you show that you can play. Most games he goes to Spurs, it was a little bit different. They were more conservative, and the energy levels did drop off after an hour. But it was a it was a less Bournemouthy Bournemouth, and I just wondered if we're going to get a less Bournemouthy Bournemouth than we might expect. I think they'll have a look. Um... 
I think they'll have a look first and then, and then sort of decide their ambitions from there. I actually think it's quite a good time to play Liverpool because it's it's a sort of post Coutinho world, is it? The, the first kind of league game without him, and I think I think we'll be better. I think Liverpool will be better in two or three weeks' time than I think they are at the moment. I think he would have been probably like the clear week and, and kind of whatever whatever team you kind of put put out on on Saturday. It still feels a little bit not quite thrown together, but you know they haven't played together. There's a little bit of there's, there's there's a few question marks around Liverpool at the moment, and as I say, I'm sure they'll get it right. I'm sure they'll get into the rhythm again, and I'm sure we'll be flying again in two three weeks time, and um, you know absolutely walloping someone. But I think at the moment, I think if I was Bournemouth, I'd be thinking this isn't about time to play Liverpool. You know, and look, we might be terrific on Sunday, and, and I hope we are, and we've got the potential to be. But but I think they'll be having a look and see. Oh, let's see what this Liverpool team got, got. Let's see let's see what kind of rhythm they are. If if we come out and look like we're flying then I'm sure they'll be sitting deep but if it's not quite happening for us if the, if, if the passing isn't quite as zippy as we'd like or, or it's bouncing off a couple of the lads you know up front who haven't played a huge amount of football recently then then you might get a bit of confidence from that and you might look to have a bit of a go you know what I found interesting um, did, I mean we spoke to James Bournemouth earlier and he's and he's predicting a Liverpool win as well isn't he yeah 2-1 yeah. and we're, get, we're getting into that thing now where opposition fans are like yeah. normally Plucky underdogs. Well, yeah, Sunderland that. guys had three 0 defeats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where like the, the opposition fans are going, oh, well, you know what? And that could, that's massive. It is. Yeah. That's massive. Yeah. And you wonder whether the, the Bournemouth players are sort of feeling like that as well. You know, we've we've talked in the past about. Well, managers have talked about it, not just idiots like us. Have said about you know you you look at five games and you target where your points are exactly. And, and I think maybe you know the Bournemouth. Might be looking at it and thinking, well, don't worry about that. And so, certainly, if we score the first goal, well, yeah, yeah, if we start yeah. early, you can see them going, oh, well, you know what? Having got beat by Arsenal last week as well, I think they're going to look and just, I think it's obvious at the moment, not obvious, but you know, they'll probably look and think, oh, Liverpool are better than Arsenal as well. We've got them next. Uh, did the, they do right against Arsenal? Yeah, they, they, they did, yeah. They, right. yeah. they could have got, got it half time ahead. They shaded it. I, I felt the first goal was five. Uh, the weekend as a whole, I mean, it's you know, it's, I've almost not been engaging with it, Dan, but the two televised games on Saturday are absolutely enormous. West Ham away. In years gone by, is a banana skin, possible banana skin for sides. But City Chelsea is massive for us, not least because we're going to find out exactly how good this Chelsea side is. We're going to find out a bit about Manchester City, and, and literally one of them has to drop points, if not both. Yeah, I was talking to you this morning about it as well, and I, I sort of want, I want City to win, to be honest. And I know everybody's like leaning towards the draw, but I just feel like Chelsea's bubble's got to burst. It, it's getting on my nerves now, and t- someone's got to just beat them. And then get that done. Then otherwise, if they beat City, then it's eight, and then it's you start looking at teams and thinking, "Well, who is going to beat these here?" So I, I want City to beat them. I, I don't think City is are as strong as ourselves and Chelsea at the moment as well. And I do think like we'll beat City when we play them in a few weeks' time. So if I had to choose a winner, I'd, I'd prefer City to beat them. To be honest, but like you say, but both one of them are losing, are dropping points. So it can only be a good thing for us. Like, um, give me a prediction for Bournemouth versus Liverpool. John Gibbons, uh, <clears> Liverpool three one. Uh, Andy Heaton, you change your mind? You go I'm changed. No, I'm Sam with me 2 0. 2 0. I'm going 3 0. 3 0. All right, then. Uh, everyone thinks Liverpool are going to go and get a result at Bournemouth. They need to get a result at Bournemouth. One way or another, this is the time to make hay. And as John Gibbons says, the sun might not be shining currently for Liverpool, but still, get that hay. Put it in a big bale. Take it home. Three points of hay. I'm looking for hay. Loads of hay. Uh, this is the Anfield Rap. See you in a bit. Sports Social Podcast Network.